All right, before I start the show, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, you might remember that I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, about how his company has helped thousands of people understand their bodies better through metabolism tracking. Well, MetPro just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and tailored strategy that their experts use. So you can start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to best. Now, my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up, so head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to learn more. Welcome to the Get Fit Guy's quick and dirty tips to slim down and shape up. My name is Brock Armstrong, and I'm the Get Fit Guy. I've written before about how I believe that selling my car was one of the most beneficial things that I have ever done for my health and my well-being, and I totally stand by that claim. If, for no other reason than for all the incidental movement that is now built into my life. You know, most of us live in a society where our life is predominantly sedentary, a society where exercise is simply the 30 to 90 minutes per day that we set aside for some formal, predetermined amount of movement. Well, more and more research is showing that this approach is not working for us. We need to think outside the gym. And what better place to start than with the daily commute? From a financial standpoint, having gotten rid of my car means that, well, I don't have any more car payments. No insurance companies are gouging me for more and more money. I'm only peripherally aware of the rising gas prices, and I never have to pay for parking again. From a wellness standpoint, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into when I handed over the keys to my 2008 VW Golf to a buyer from Calgary, Alberta, who incidentally got it for a song. At that time, selling my car was simply more convenient than continuing to own it. I was moving across the country to start a new job, and although I'd visited Toronto many, many times, I wasn't entirely sure that I could afford to park, let alone drive in that city. I was okay with that idea since selling my car would eliminate some rather oppressive monthly payments, and you know what, I rather like the idea of bucking the system and becoming even more of a pedestrian than I already was. Now, stick with me here. This is not going to turn into some crazy hippie tirade about how we're all killing the planet. I mean, even if we are. I will explain how this actually applies to being fit and healthy in a minute. For the majority of my adult life, or at least since I was 16 years old, I have possessed a car. And as you may or may not know, there's a strange thing that happens to your mindset when you own a car. The question of... How am I going to get from point A to point B is always answered by default. I will drive. Of course, because I have a car. Not to mention that at some points in my life, it was actually a pretty cool car with a rather decent stereo system and a veritable mountain of cassette tapes to listen to. Now, if the distance between point A and point B was extremely short, I would likely walk or ride my bike. I mean, I'm not a monster, but... For any distance or duration over a few minutes, I would simply get in the car, crank the tunes, and drive. And this was doubly likely if it was in the middle of one of those cold Albertan winters. 
Now, when you take the I own a car element out of the how will I get there equation, you are forced to get creative. Will I walk? Will I ride my bike? Take the bus? Take the subway? Walk there and run home? Use a car share? Call a friend? Call an Uber? Or maybe mum? The first beneficial thing about many of these alternative modes of getting around is that they involve physically moving your body parts. Yes, even taking the bus or the subway involves walking, standing, and balancing or using your proprioception that we don't use when we're sitting on our butts in a car seat. Even using one of those car share programs involves walking to the parking spot where the car is kept and then walking home again after you drop the car off. The second beneficial thing with these carless alternatives is that they have many deep health benefits like lowering stress levels, raising your mood, and perhaps even helping you get better sleep, but I'll get into that a little bit more later. According to a report from the United States Census Bureau, the average American's commute is 25.5 minutes each way. So that's about 51 minutes per day or 204 hours per year spent commuting. Now, just to put that in perspective, researchers recently found that most adults only do 17 minutes of physical activity per day or about 103.4 hours per year. So we are only exercising for approximately half of the amount of the time that we spend commuting. According to a study called The Happy Commuter, done by the researchers at McGill University, all commuters are more likely to feel happier when they're walking to work rather than when they take any other form of transportation. Now, it's been a while since I said this, but once again, it's good old walking for the win. The team of researchers surveyed over 3,300 students, staff, and faculty at McGill University about their daily travel times, their comfort, safety, cost, wait times, and even their level of street harassment. The results lined up like this. Participants were happiest when they walked, rode the train, or cycled to work, in that order, and participants reported lower satisfaction when they traveled by car, subway, or bus, in that order. When the researchers dug deeper into the factors that affected the commuter's satisfaction, they discovered that the duration of the travel mattered greatly, and unsurprisingly, people with longer commutes felt less happy than those with shorter ones. But, and this is really cool, that same factor of travel time mattered less to the people who were walking, biking, or riding the bus. The results showed that an extra 10 minutes lowered their satisfaction by only half as much as it did for those who drive, ride the train, or take the subway. Now, sure, you need to be more organized and plan ahead so you arrive on time, although I would argue that you need to do that just as much when you drive because, well, let's face it, traffic sucks. But in general, I would much rather feel the wind in my hair on my bike than be breathing the recycled and overly conditioned air inside a restrictive car. I'd also rather let the well-trained bus driver do all the work while I stand or read a book or listen to a podcast instead of sitting there reading the infuriating political bumper stickers on the car in front of me. 
Before I go on, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, all about metabolism. And his company, MetPro, continues to help thousands of people transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism through concierge coaching. Now, I spent a couple of months actually using MetPro a while ago, and it was a really cool experience, I have to say. MetPro is doing some really interesting and innovative work to help you better understand your body so you can get the results you want. And MetPro actually just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and the tailored strategy that their experts are using. And you know what? It's not a food logging tool or a workout app for that matter. The MetPro app actually allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to using science. And my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up if you head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to take advantage of this opportunity. That's metpro.co slash getfitguy for up to one month for free. All right, back to the wellness benefits. A recent study in the UK gathered 263,450 participants, of which 52% were female and 48% were male, with an average age of 52.6. And they asked them what mode of transportation they used, walking, cycling, the car, or public transit, to commute to and from work on a typical day. The researchers then measured the incidence of fatal and non-fatal cardiovascular disease, cancer, or any causes of death among the participants over the next five years. The results were published in the British Medical Journal. Now, awesomely, after that five years was up, the researchers concluded that even sporadic cycle commuting was associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, and all-cause mortality. The study's authors wrote that, and I quote, cycle commuters had a 52% lower risk of dying from heart disease and a 40% lower risk of dying from cancer. They also had a 46% lower risk of developing heart disease and a 45% lower risk of developing cancer at all. Now, I don't know about you, but I like those odds. Okay, but this next part takes it to the next level. The researchers even included the risk of getting in a bike versus car accident in this study and still came up with the 52% overall lower risk of dying. So yes, indeed, this study gives us more evidence that even the risks of riding a bike get outweighed by the benefits of being what I like to call a pedestrian. Now, as for walking to work, assuming the distance isn't prohibitively far, there is a load of reasons to add more movement to your commute, and I'll highlight a few reasons here. A study at Stanford University showed that people score higher on a test for creative thinking when they walk to their destination. Research from the American Heart Association shows that you can cut the effects of even a genetic predisposition to obesity in half by walking for an hour per day. Now, a study from the University of East Anglia showed that people who switched from driving to walking or cycling actually experienced a greater sense of well-being. And if you're interested in being a high performer, walking to work also showed a greater ability to concentrate and remain calm under pressure. 
According to a Penn State University study, your spouse, friends, and coworkers are more likely to choose a more active mode of transportation if they see you doing it. So it's kind of like the lemming effect, but for the power of good. And you can find out more about that in an article I wrote called Is Exercise Socially Contagious? Now, according to a 2013 study in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, Walking to work can lower your blood pressure and lower your risk of diabetes. And finally, according to a 2015 study in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, walking outdoors, preferably in some nice green spaces or parks, can actually put your brain into a meditative state. This is a practice that's called forest bathing, and I can tell you from first-hand experience that it really works. Now, I will put links to all of those studies and all the articles over at getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com and just look for episode 388. Now, what elevates the importance of all of those studies I just mentioned is that they were done on people who were commuting to and from work or school, not on people going out for a dedicated session or a set amount of predetermined exercise time. These are people who are building the fitness, the cardio, the stress-relieving, fresh air-breathing, leg-stretching, carbon footprint-reducing, wind-in-your-face aspects of movement into their daily life. And this shows us the added benefits of making movement and exercise and activity part of your day-to-day -day life over simply hitting the gym. Getting a dedicated workout in four or five times a week is a great way to hit your sports-specific and fitness goals. But to be a truly healthy and well individual, you need to keep that movement going for the other 23 hours of the day. Well, okay, sure, you need to sleep in there too, but you get my point. Live an active and mobile life for your health and wellness and hit the gym for your biceps. In the end, it doesn't matter how much you rip it up in a body pump class. If you proceed to sit in your car, at your desk, and then back in the car, then on the couch, and then retire to your comfy bed day after day, the incidental movement that happens between the gym and your bedtime is what truly defines your overall wellness on a much deeper level. Now, to bring this full circle back to my lack of a car, I want to reassure you that you don't actually have to sell your car if you still don't want to after all this, but I do want to issue you a challenge. I want you to at least adopt what I call a carless mindset. Now give yourself the task of choosing a different mode of transportation for at least, I don't know, 75% of your journeys from now on. If you do that, I am certain that you will start to fall in love with the idea when your blood pressure drops, your creativity rises, the steps on your activity tracker soar while the numbers on your bathroom scale plummet. Now let's regain our health by shunning those modern conveniences that are, well, turning us into sedentary lumps. And again, what better place to start than with our daily commute? Now, for more commuter info or getting out there and going for a walk tips or just more incidental movement conversation, head over to facebook.com slash getfitguy or twitter.com slash getfitguy. Or, of course, you can find all the links and a full transcript of this podcast at getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com.
Now, my name is Brock Armstrong, and I'm the Get Fit Guy, asking you, what are you waiting for? Go get fit. Go get fit.